Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on News Talk. But let's first uh, talk a little bit about some of the stories that are making the news and also where the markets are. And Eugene Kiernan, who is an independent market strategist, is my guest this morning on Breakfast Business. Good morning to you, Eugene. Yeah, good morning, Emmett. You're very welcome along. Let's have a little bit of a, a gamble through some of these. Um, starting with the examiner, where a nice first world problem for Apple is being mentioned. They have $165 billion of cash mounted up, piled up, and they don't know what to do with it, seems to be the suggestion in the story, but an acquisition is possibly in the offing. Apple has always been a fantastic company at, at, at cash management. Even 20 and 25 years ago, it stood out from its peers in terms of having very strong balance sheet. And I guess the key thing here is they're very careful uh, about acquisitions. And as much as I, I see a figure quoted of their biggest being $3 billion, uh, in terms of an acquisition, whereas uh, Microsoft are spending $69 billion on Activision uh, Blizzard. So over time, I think they've just made smaller acquisitions, bolt-on acquisitions. And I suspect they're very... I suspect they're very uh, conscious of culture and the culture within a company like that. And rather than squanders on the big flashy acquisition, they're content just to, to generate cash. And in fairness, you know, they managed to give about $100 billion back last year in terms of buybacks and, and, and dividend increases. So, I mean, it's not as though they're doing the shareholder any damage. No. Now, one of the other things that um, very Irish-focused news is in the Irish Times. I, I think it's going to be very... You know a lot of stockbrokers, Eugene. You've been in the financial world here in Dublin for a while. The suggestion is that CRH will essentially scrap their Dublin listing um, in, in order to get a listing in New York in the S&P 500. Uh, the Irish Times certainly thinks that's a big blow. How big a blow would it be if, if it's uh, officially announced uh, in the next few weeks? So, I mean, I think at the moment their, their primary listing is, is, is London. Um, but, but companies like to have their primary listing where the, the biggest activity can be uh, in, in, in the share. So that's why the US holds out some sway. And what seems to be interesting here is the US seems to insist on exclusivity in terms of not, not how you can't have secondary listings elsewhere. So one of the things is that, yes, if there are more people trading your shares, that's better. But there's another aspect as well, in as much as a lot of, you know, these index and these passive funds who need to take a position, say, in stocks in the S&P 500, they, they have a natural appetite for your stock. So it may well be sort of, you know, very positive from, from that point of view. But I'm thinking of just the general spin-off kind of income that stockbrokers get, you know, whether they get corporate um, work off the CRH company or they're involved in rights issues or underwriting things. Is, is there not lots of spin-off activities that having some kind of listing here in Dublin would now be a threat? Oh, you're absolutely right. But I mean, uh, in, in terms of if CRH makes this decision, it'll be for, for, the, for the ultimate benefit um, of their shareholders. Wouldn't do it otherwise. And in terms of of Euronext, I mean, I was down in Euronext recently, and I'm very impressed by the sort of how much, how well they've done in terms of funds and sort of getting fund listings. So there's a strong story within the stock exchange here as well. Yeah, now very interesting media stories. The media talking about the media, which can sometimes be a dangerous road, but there are some interesting snippets around. The Irish Independent is reporting on its main rival. The Irish Times, um, let's just give their, our listeners a bit of background here. About a week ago, or less than that actually, the boss of Media, who's, which is the European group that owns the Indo, was essentially signalling that they may no longer have printed products. They may no longer, they'll obviously be online in, in the normal way. But now the Irish Times has come back in to say, well, we certainly will not be um, getting rid of our print editions. And they, they actually say they won't even be considering such a move. So it's not in any way in the offing, uh, very definitively uh, said by their chief executive, 
Deirdre Veldon. So, so what do you make of that, Eugene? Do you think um, when you look at media, is the days of print uh, gone? I mean, what's your own your own habits like? Oh, my own habits have changed with with with, with COVID. I mean, I went I went online for uh, uh, daily, weekly, and weekend uh, papers, and um, I mean, I think the issue is, is managing the transition. I mean, I, th- I think there's a there's a generational change going on. Um, I think it won't be up to people to decide. It will be decided for them in terms of what the market does. But I suspect it will be a question of trying to increase the um, the online offering and perhaps, I don't know, maybe changing the print to more a, a weekend or, or, or a weekly version. But there's certainly a transition going on and the question is how you manage it. Now, one of the big things we're watching is where are interest rates going to go? What direction are they set for a meeting in May? A very kind of strong headline across the top of the examiner business page. ECB rates may need to go up in May, says Lane. Now, you know, in some ways, he's not saying a whole lot on one level here. Of course, they may go up. But nevertheless, he seems to be suggesting that the recent disruption in banking markets is not going to stop them. It's not going to be a constraint on putting through another increase, if I'm reading him right. He talks about being data dependent, nevertheless. But it seems that kind of the little bit of instability we had about three weeks ago with Silicon Valley Bank and some of the other US lenders, that on its own doesn't seem to be a reason to pause, is what Philip Lane is saying. So in that sense, it's quite an important comment, isn't it? Oh, it is an important comment, and I think it's also been echoed in, in, in the UK and in the US as well. I mean, what, what they've said is, look, we're aware of this, we're aware of the impact it may have on credit. It may slow down, you know, credit supply, which dampens economies. So to some extent, it may do a little bit of the work, say, in the US in terms of we may not need to increase rates as much if we have this slower credit backdrop. But I think Lane is just right to mention to mention both that and also to mention the recent increase in, in oil prices in terms of, as you say, that's the data they will depend on to, to make a call. I suspect most bankers want, want to increase rates. Now, you you see a lot of this kind of a dark talk, I would suppose, call it, where people say certain sectors are exposed if interest rates keep getting um, increased. But a lot of time it's never spelt out, you know, well, what sectors, what companies, maybe we don't know. But looking at it from your point of view, what particular areas of the economy do you think are going to get stretched if this um, interest rate tightening continues? Is is there particular areas you'd be kind of nervous about that you'd say, well, you know, they're, they're going to be struggling a lot more than others? Because it's never really fully spelled out, at least not to my ears. Well, if you're looking at stocks, say, for a very long term, if you're looking at, say, <clears throat> excuse me, technology stocks whereby your your gains are coming, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ahead, they're the sort of long, so-called long-duration stocks where rising interest rates, rising interest rates have an impact. <clears throat> so they're the ones to think about in terms of, you know, technology is a sector which sometimes struggles um, against a rising interest rate backdrop. But again, a lot of that may already be baked in if people think we're coming to close to the end of any interest rate series of hikes. Now, the Independent has an interesting story, just feeding off that theme you, you've mentioned there, Eugene, which uh, I'll just give you the headline. It says, post-COVID US profits boom is set to fade out. And, and this story is suggesting that we're into one of the gloomiest periods since the pandemic in terms of earnings season. And the reason that's interesting to our listeners, there has been this whole debate about where is the, the, the damage from inflation falling? Is it falling on ordinary consumers who are having to face higher prices? Or is it falling on the corporates who have to accept lower profits? And up to now, at least, 
the corporates have been insulated. They've actually managed to push through a lot of earnings increases. A lot of them have managed to push through price increases but hold our market share nevertheless. But is that sort of running out of steam, do you think, when you look at sort of gloomy earnings seasons and phrases like that, that finally the big companies are kind of running out of gas a little bit in, in this inflationary environment? Emmett, you, you, you know that this, this, this earnings season is, is a highly choreographed uh, event where companies sort of try to keep investors in sync with expectations. But I think you're right. I think this earnings season will, will kick off in earnest next, next week. We'll have the banks reporting in the US. And it's going to be quite a weak um, set of numbers. Overall, profits year on year will be down about 7%. Uh, that'll be the weakest we've seen since about you know 2020 almost. So yes, we've we've moved out of that COVID-driven um, pent-up demand side of the equation, and it's more real now. And this will this will be the the second straight quarter of of negative earnings. So this matters because as analysts revise down their profits, it's sometimes hard for markets to make progress through that. So I think I think both next week's earnings and and today's job numbers in the US will be very important for the mood of markets over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, what are you expecting to see of those? I mean, yesterday we had another markets watcher who was saying that, you know, there's just a little bit of a turn in the job market. There's a lot less vacancies around. It's not dramatic. Unemployment still remains rock bottom. But there's just a slight turn in sentiment on the labour market. Is, is that what you're expecting to see more of that today? I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, we've seen fewer, you know, this week we've seen fewer job openings. We've seen people less willing to quit their jobs. So if you like, the the contributors to the jobs picture have weakened a bit. Now, you know that this jobs number has been so, so strong over the last few months. We got half a million, I think, uh, two months ago. And the question is, the Fed needs to see a lower number of jobs being created because it wants to cool down the economy. It wants to take the, the heat out of the economy. So we had 311,000 jobs, new jobs last month. The expectation is for about 240. So anything less than that would probably be a weaker number, which in a, in a strange way might actually be good. OK, well, listen, let's see how it goes. It's meant to be normally quiet on Good Friday, but doesn't seem to be the way it's panning out this year. But for now, thank you very much for joining us on Breakfast Business. Eugene Kiernan, who is an independent market strategist. Breakfast Business with Enterprise Ireland on Newstalk.